watch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. I want to talk about books. The fact that there are so many books out now about the waning days of the Trump administration. It's kind of funny. I was thinking about my excitement when it was announced that Bob Woodward and Robert Costa had teamed up and that they would be writing about Trump's final days. You may remember this from months ago. I, I said, this is the duo who will tell us what went on the afternoon of January 6th. A great pairing because in Woodward, you, you get the elder statesman among journalists. He, of course, of Woodward Bernstein fame, Watergate, etc. several books, a lot of access to American presidents over the span of the last 30 years. And then Robert Costa is a guy that I I know because he grew up in the Philly Burbs and has gone on to a great career initially at the Washington Post himself, sort of the, uh, you know, the younger, the more go-getter aggressive of the two. Um, I have great faith in what they or I had great faith in what they'll be able to reveal. If there's a change in my thought process now, it just has to do with all the books that have come out and are still coming out many of them aided by former President Trump sitting for interviews. You know, it seems like no matter how antagonistic they might be toward the former president, he's still going to give them time, which only expands the focus. But consider the recent releases. You have Michael Bender. Frankly, we did win this election. He of the Wall Street Journal. You have Landslide by Michael Wolff. You remember Michael Wolff. Michael Wolff wrote a pair Maybe a trio, but I think it was a pair of Trump books. He's the guy who Bannon gave access and he set up shop on a sofa in the West Wing and just sort of watched everything that was going on and and blended into the the drapery. People weren't even sure why was he there and uh, what was he doing? Nightmare scenario inside the Trump administration response to the pandemic. Damian Paletta and Yasmin Abudaleb. And then the one that last night broke onto the scene. It doesn't come out until Tuesday, but CNN had an advance of it. Anderson Cooper led his broadcast. Chris Cuomo led his broadcast. I was a part of it. I alone can fix it. Donald J. Trump's catastrophic final year. This is Carol Lennig, who was a guest here on the program recently. She wrote a great book about the United States Secret Service and Philip Rucker, both of the Washington Post. Woodward and Costa come out in September. And it makes me wonder what will be left on the bone for them, given all these revelations. And that's not all. Next year, Peter Baker, the chief White House correspondent, is working on what he is casting as the definitive account of the Trump presidency with his wife, Susan Glasser of The New Yorker, Maggie Haberman, the White House reporter for The Times, the um, uh, CNN correspondent, also working on a book. Jonathan Martin, Alex Burns, also writing a book on President Trump. Uh, Jeremy Peters writing a book. So it's just it's just not going to stop. But last night I wasn't scheduled to be on with Cuomo, but I late afternoon, early evening, I received a missive from one of his folks and they said, hey, we have reporting on this book that's about to hit and it's really stunning stuff. And we hope you'll come on and talk about it. And I, I said that I would so long as they provided me whatever I needed to read in short order. As I say, Anderson Cooper led his broadcast at 8 p.m. Cuomo then led his broadcast at 9 p.m. 
the big takeaway is that this is a book about how General Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the, the highest military officer in the United States who now continues to serve on President Biden's watch, so overlapped between Trump and Biden. It's all about how, at least the portion I read, General Milley and other generals were alarmed and warning of a potential coup during the final days of the Trump administration, meaning from the November election onward. I know that we are desensitized. Or are we sensitized? What are we when we've heard it all before and it just doesn't get a rise out of us? I guess we're desensitized. We're definitely desensitized. Are you sure we're desensitized? Yes, I'm sure we're desensitized. If you're if you're sensitized, I think that's a word, then that means you're heightened alert. You're you're sensitive. Yeah. If you're desensitized, then you're like, ah, got it. it never, no big deal. It never sounds right when I say we are desensitized. Why not? Take away know. the sensitivity. Desensitized. Hmm. hmm. All right, I'll run with it. Okay, you go with that. We desensitized. are we are definitely desensitized <laughs> to revelations about. I mean, it takes a lot, doesn't it, about Trump to to really make your head turn and get your attention. If it were about anybody else, that's how I was feeling when I was reading some of these revelations. Let me give you a little a little taste. Desensitized, yeah. having been made less sensitive, like desensitized taste buds, or having been made less likely to feel shock or distress at scenes of cruelty or suffering by overexposure to such incidences. From this day forward, desensitized it shall be. And I will never again question whether it's desensitized or sensitized, I promise. The top U.S. military officer, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, was so shaken after the November election that then-President Donald Trump and his allies might attempt a coup or take other dangerous or illegal measures that Milley and other top officials informally planned for different ways to stop Trump, according to the excerpts of this book by Rucker and Lenig. Their Pulitzer Prize-winning duo, they describe how Milley and other joint chiefs discussed a plan to resign. So what were they going to do? They were going to resign one by one rather than carry out orders from Trump that they would consider to be illegal, dangerous, or ill-advised. The authors explain Milley's growing concerns about personnel moves that put Trump acolytes in positions of power at the Pentagon after the November 2020 election, including the firing of Defense Secretary Mark Esper, and the resignation of Attorney General William Barr, they thought that this perhaps was a sign of something more sinister to come. Important to remember, and and this occurred to me uh, uh, last night, and uh, TC very ably was able to put her finger on it. I said, you know, as I was getting ready to go on Cuomo, I remember that there were alarm bells that were rung at exactly this time, meaning before January 6th. I had a vague recollection of leadership, military leadership, signing a letter and uh, sending up a flare. But I couldn't remember exactly what the sum and substance of it was. Well, here you go. January 3rd, 2021. Do you remember this? All 10 living former defense secretaries. So Ashton Carter, Dick Cheney, William Cohen, Mark Esper, Robert Gates, Chuck Hagel, James Mattis, Leon Panetta, William Perry, and he has since left us, Donald Rumsfeld all writing in the Washington Post that involving the military in election disputes 
would cross into dangerous territory. So the idea that there was concern among some in the military or some who were now retired is not entirely new. What they said, the 10 defense secretaries, our elections have occurred, recounts and audits have been conducted, appropriate challenges have been addressed by the courts, governors have certified the results, and the Electoral College has voted. The time for questioning the results has passed. The time for formal counting of the Electoral College votes as prescribed by the Constitution and statute has arrived. There's no role for the U.S. military in determining the outcome of an election. So in that same climate, that same context, Milley behind the scenes, while these former uh, defense secretaries were making public their worries, Milley was doing what he could do to make sure that there wasn't a coup. He spoke to friends, lawmakers, and colleagues about the threat of a coup, and the Joint Chiefs chairman felt that he had to be on guard for what might come. Quote, they, and clearly he cooperated with the publishing of this book, and he comes off looking very good in the book, although his, his tenure does have a blemish that I will remind you of in a moment. But here's one of his many quotes. They may try, but they're not going to effing succeed. This is what he said to his deputies. You can't do this without the military. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We're the guys with the guns. In the days leading up to January 6, Lennig and Rucker write, he was worried about Trump's call to action. He told his staff that he believed Trump was stoking unrest, possibly in the hopes of an excuse to invoke the Insurrection Act and call out the military. Milley also viewed Trump as the classic authoritarian leader with nothing to lose. He saw parallels between Adolf Hitler's rhetoric as a victim and savior and Trump's false claims of election fraud. This, said Milley to aides, is a Reichstag moment. The gospel of the Fuhrer. By the way, I'm just skipping around from some of these excerpts. There's a lot more to it. Behind the scenes, I wonder if this will uh, will raise questions as to whether he was overstepping. The book says that Milley was on the front lines of trying to protect the country, including an episode where he tried to stop Trump from firing FBI Director Chris Wray and CIA Director Gina Haspel. They recount in the book a scene when Milley was with Trump and his top aides in a suite at the Army-Navy football game in December and publicly confronted White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. What's going on? Are you guys getting rid of Ray or Gina? Come on, Chief. What the hell is going on here? What are you guys doing? That gives you a feel for what's in the book, including a, a vignette, a scene where uh, at the inauguration... He says that he is, uh, Milley maintains that he is thanked by Kamala Harris for the role that he played, as he describes in, quote unquote, landing the plane, quote, as the inauguration ceremony ended, Kamala Harris, who had just been sworn in as vice president, paused to thank Milley. We all know what you and some others did, she said. Thank you. The book ends with Milley describing his relief that there had not been a coup, thinking to himself, thank God almighty, we landed the ship safely. He expressed his relief in the moments after Biden was sworn in, speaking to the Obamas sitting on the inaugural stage. Michelle Obama asked Milley how he was feeling, quote, no one has a bigger smile on today than I do, said Milley. You can't see it under my mask, but I do. The blemish that I referenced is the fact that you'll remember it was 
General Milley, in his role as chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who accompanied Donald Trump, what would that have been? June of 2020. God, so much happened in those final six months, didn't it? You remember, of course, in June of 2020, when Trump had Lafayette Square cleared so that he, with Milley and also Bill Barr in tow, among others, walked across like a very, you know, ceremoniously walked across Lafayette Square to St. John's Church and then brandished a Bible. It was a very odd moment, but but Milley was there for that. Maybe feels guilty about the role that he played on that particular day. So that was the big breaking story last night. It remains a huge story today because now all the other media outlets are feeding on CNN, having an advance of the book, and people are talking about the revelation that the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff took measures, what exactly they were, apart from having these conversations, I'm left in the dark, um, but was on a heightened state of alert and sworn to do his part to ensure that Donald Trump wouldn't bring about a coup. A couple of observations that I want to share with you. First observation is this. The book is coming out on Tuesday. Last weekend was CPAC. You'll remember that President Trump spoke on Sunday. I have a question for you. Accept what I told you at face value. In other words, accept it. Accept it. Actually, I'll say it differently. Accept it as truth. That Milley went on the record with these two Pulitzer Prize winners from the Washington Post and said, you know, I was scared to death that there was going to be a coup and I did whatever I could do to make sure that it wouldn't happen. If the book were published a week ago and not on Tuesday, would a single vote have changed among CPAC members or would Trump still have decisively won the straw poll? Remember, former President Trump dominated the straw poll that they had at CPAC last week. He had 70% of those who responded to the survey who said that they would vote for Trump in a Republican primary if it were held today. It was Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, who came in second with 21% of the vote. Would anything that I've offered you thus far alter the outcome of that election? And if you accept that that election is a harbinger of what's going on in the Republican Party, and you may dispute that, but... uh, then aren't we both saying, aren't we all saying, if you agree with me, that none of this is going to shake, none of this is in and of itself going to shake the grip that Donald Trump has over Republicans? Second observation, I don't know this to be the case for sure, but it's my strong suspicion that what I've just shared with you is all over CNN. In fact, literally, as I'm saying these words, I'm looking at a Chiron book, colon, Millie said Trump, Wouldn't effing succeed at any coup? I'll bet the book has not yet been referenced at Fox. And my point is that half the country, at least half the country, won't even know of what I just told you. Because we're all so dug into our our silos, our respective bunkers, and it's a story that'll be played heavily in some quarters and not even played in others. And even if it were given some airing, I still don't think it would change the outcome of the CPAC vote. Second observation, further on the politics. I said this to Chris last night, to Trump supporters, like, you know, on CNN and to people who are unsupportive of Donald Trump, don't like Donald Trump, view him as uh, a dictator capable of attempting a coup. uh, They will look at this 
and they will say that it is it is you know thank God for General Milley, and this is further confirmation of their worst beliefs about the former president. But to Trump supporters, this will be seen as confirmation of a deep state. Wait a minute, General Milley was upset about a change in personnel of the FBI or the CIA. Is that really his business? We have civilian leadership of the military for a reason. There's a discussion in this uh, in this book about how uh, reportedly Nancy Pelosi is very alarmed at Donald Trump and his access to nuclear weapons in the final days of the presidency. And and General Milley gives her an assurance. Hey, don't worry. You know, we've got this covered um, because we're not going to carry out any order that's not legal. And I thought to myself, well, who is he to determine the legality of that? That's another interesting observation. By the way, there's a great story about this book posted at Smirconish.com. So if you want more, you can go there and read it for yourself. Yeah, here it is. After the January 6th insurrection, Pelosi told the general that she was deeply concerned that a crazy, dangerous, maniac Trump might use nuclear weapons during his final days in office. Ma'am, I guarantee you these procedures are very good, Millie reassured her. There's not going to be an accidental firing of nuclear weapons. Pelosi, how can you guarantee me? Ma'am, there's a process. We will only follow legal orders. We'll only do things that are legal, ethical, and moral. To some, that'll be, wow, what a, what a, what a great uh, recognition of the limitations that have to be put even on a president. And to others, they'll say, deep state stuff. Wait, this guy wants a say in who the FBI director is going to be? He's the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Is that really in his purview? And, and who is he to tell Speaker Pelosi, I'll make sure that the legal process, I can just see how this will get spun if it ever gets covered over there. Third observation, cynical on my part. If General Milley was so alarmed from Election Day, was Election Day the 8th? From Election Day in November forward, then where was he on January 6th? And where were all these measures that were prepared to third? Thank you. Where were all these measures that were ready to go on an instant notice? You know, this steel ring around the, the Capitol that they set up for January. If they were so alarmed and their intelligence was at such a heightened level, then how come the sixth was able to be carried out? And final thought I have on this is because there are a lot of of, uh, tidbits of information that have not previously been in the public domain. Isn't this yet another reminder of how much we don't know about the events of January 6th? And isn't this confirmation of why there really is need for some type of an independent study? Or do you think it's all going to come out through the media? Maybe maybe you think we don't need to pay for it and, and have the the process, because these journalists are all going to get to the bottom of it. To me, I I really do want a full accounting of all that transpired and how it was able to transpire on January 6th. And when a book comes out from two Pulitzer Prize winners with this kind of detail that was heretofore not in the public domain, to me, it's a reminder that there's a lot we still don't know. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.